You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host. Welcome to the Georgia Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Ryan Graham, the chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. We're continuing down the path of putting down a Uh, podcast episodes relating to Georgia news, but from a libertarian perspective. That being said, any opinions stated here are not necessarily those of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. First things first, I wanted to talk about Hurricane Dorian, as it has passed through Georgia at this point. Um, Extreme weather always brings unwelcome government interference, and Dorian has been no exception. First and foremost, uh, Governor Kemp ordered mandatory evacuations in multiple counties along Georgia coast. Mandatory evacuations are absolutely ridiculous. The government comes in and tells each and every person they must leave an area for their own good. It creates criminals out of people for just staying in their own homes. It assumes that they won't act in their best interest and decides it knows what the best interests of the individuals in an area are, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Another way the government steps in during hurricanes and other crises is to stop businesses from price gouging. Look, I get it. It looks pretty bad to sell bottles of water at a premium when everyone thinks they need them. It's, it's, it's also pretty easy to score political points to curb that behavior. What people don't realize is that so-called price gouging is the market working. It's a feature, not a bug. Increased prices mean that people that are more likely to only buy what they need. Uh, if so if a bottle of water costs a dollar or less, people will buy a heck of a lot more of them than if they, had $10, than if they cost $10 a bottle. That means each buyer will have to think more carefully about what they actually need instead of just buying up all the available stock. And that's just and that's not just for water or bread or other, you know, hard goods. It goes for things like hotel rooms as well. If prices are high, you might think twice before buying up two rooms instead of making do with only one, leaving another room available for others in need. Another important reason to allow price gouging is to is increase prices provide incentive for people to bring more goods onto the market. When bottles of water go for $10, people are much more willing to buy them elsewhere and bring them into the market, meaning more supplies for the people who need it. Price gouging laws throw all that out of whack. As prices are kept artificially low, consumers buy up all the available product, causing shortages. And there's no incentive for businesses to come in and provide any more product. Our second story tonight is about the special election down in State House District 71. Um, It occurred this past Tuesday. Representative David Stover resigned earlier this year amid some controversy around his absence from the session and from his district. You might recognize him as a co-sponsor of our our ballot access bill, HB 191. He was accused of living with his wife in the UK while he was supposed to be serving in the House. He denies it, but he also was not present um, for a lot of the session, and regardless, he did step down. Three Republicans and one Democrat qualified for the special election, and one of those Republicans identified strongly as a Libertarian. That'd be Nina Blackwelder. Um, The media actually did identify her as a Libertarian at least one time that I heard um, in the few mentions that she did get. Um, The race didn't actually get a ton of press, uh, as local races like that one don't usually get a ton, but it was the lone election the day after Labor Day, and so it did get a little bit of media attention. Um, and from what I can tell you, from what I saw coming out of the AJC and um, some of the local podcasts and whatnot, um, the media focused on two candidates from the start. 
Philip Singleton and Marcy Sackerson. Uh, Nina Blackwelder and the Democrat Jill Prouty had mentions kind of at the end of articles, but nothing major. So they would say things like, also running are these people, you know. Um, instead, it was kind of propped up as a, a, a referendum on how voter, voters feel about uh, Speaker Ralston. Uh, Sackerson was propped up as the establishment candidate, and she actually did receive support from Ralston. Um in the form of donations, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and Singleton represented as being anti-Ralston, uh, despite his not being very critical, actually. Um, and while it seems like he might have been um, identifying more with people who are critical of Ralston, he never really came out and out and said anything. Um, Nina Blackwelder did. Um, she was very openly critical, and for whatever reason, the media decided that, one, they wanted to push this referendum on Speaker Ralston into the HD 71 race, but then they also didn't pull the candidate who would have embodied that the most, and you know, I, I never can tell why, right? I don't know why they picked um, Singleton to talk about instead of, instead of Nina Blackwelder. Um, it's, it's really hard to tell. Um, the only string that we could figure out that connected Singleton to being anti-Ralston was um, Eric Erickson, who came out in support of Singleton and who has also come out against Ralston. But, um, it, I mean, that's loose at best. Um, so the results are in, and there will be a runoff between Singleton and Sackerson. Um, I think that it's self-evident what ends up happening when the media... Um, focuses on certain candidates that those are what the voters come out and um, that's who they vote for. So it was only about 5,000 voters. It was only 10% of the um, district uh, came out and voted. So it was pretty low turnout. Um, Singleton and Sackerson received a little over 35% of the vote each. Um, the Democrat, I think, is a little bit over 20%. And Nina Blackwelder received only 7% of the vote. So the thing that stands out to me is that Nina probably wouldn't have seen a huge difference in outcomes had she run as a libertarian. The media would have probably given her a similar amount of coverage, just the, the um, throwaway line at the end saying this person's already uh, also in the race, and they would, they would have continued to focus on this uh, referendum on, on Speaker Ralston because for whatever reason that's what they decided this race was all about. Um, instead of covering all the candidates equally, as the media really should, they should have been out there saying, uh, finding out information about each of the candidates and then reporting on it. It doesn't seem like that's what they did. Um, and I think fundraising probably would have been quite similar as a libertarian as well. Um, the truth is, Republicans all over the state consistently reject liberty candidates, with a few exceptions. Libertarians need to understand that the Republican Party wants your votes, and they'll call themselves a big tent party in order to get your votes. But they don't seem to want your opinion. What they want is for everyone who it says that they're a Republican to go along to get along. And if you don't go along, then they reject you. And libertarians typically do not go along to get along because we're principles first. Um, so that being said, if you are considering running for office, we want to get more state house reps um, running for office. That's like one of our big goals for 2020 is to, to run more local races. Um, you can reach me directly at ryan.gram at lpgeorgia.com. And you can also go to lpgeorgia.com slash candidate dash questionnaire. 
and let us know that you want to run there and tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll give you a call and let you know what you got to do to get on the ballot so that leads me to my next topic the 2020 elections um, it is of course a presidential year but the libertarian party of georgia doesn't really want to focus on national races um, instead we'd really like to focus inwards on our own state so at the top of the ticket in georgia is uh, senator Purdue's seat he's running unopposed currently with no sign of really having a challenger um, Democrats have fielded three candidates uh, in Teresa Tomlinson, Ted Terry, and Sarah Riggs Amico. The Libertarian Party has ballot access for all statewide seats, including U.S. Senate, meaning there's no petitioning requirements for the seat. Libertarian delegates will nominate our candidate at the convention in January. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And there's currently no declared candidates, but there are five to six people that are seriously thinking of running. Um, it's looking pretty good that we're going to field a candidate. Uh, and that there will be somebody at the convention, and I'm, I'm really hoping that there will be a competition, that there will be multiple candidates. Um, so another seat that's up for election is Senator Isaacson's seat uh, as he stepped down. Um, it's a little different because it's, you know, his term isn't up and he's resigning midterm. Um, he's resigning at the end of the year, and the way it works is that Governor Kemp will be able to appoint a replacement until the general in 2020. Kemp will appoint someone to fill that office for the 2020 year, and then that person will presumably run for office in 2020. And that's sort of what we think will happen. They don't actually have to. Um, the 2020 race has a wrinkle in it. It's a special election, so the rules are, are quite different. There's no primary. And as many, can, as many candidates as, as can um, can qualify for, for the, to be on the ballot. And there's no restrictions for ballot access for third-party or independent candidates. Um, so although we, we already have ballot access for U.S. Senate seats, other third parties don't, and you know independents don't, and they may decide to field candidates. If none of the candidates in the jungle election in November get a majority of the vote, the top two vote-getters will take part in a runoff in January, similar to HD 71 election that I talked about earlier. The Libertarian Party could potentially run multiple candidates in this race. Um, if, Governor Kemp, if Governor Kemp's appointment to the seat comes from another office, like Attorney General Carr um, or U.S. Representative Doug Collins, which um, there was a piece in the AJC today that, that said he was the number one uh, you know, top pick, it seemed, even though I guess uh, Kemp's playing this pretty close, um, there won't there'd also be a special election for that office. So if Doug Collins gets if Doug Collins gets appointed to Senate, then there's going to be a House US House special election and that race will also not have ballot access requirements, which is crazy important. So we would definitely want to make sure somebody runs in that race. Um so the other races, statewide races that are up are public service commissioner seats 1 and 4. Uh, they're statewide offices, but you have to live in the district the seat represents in order to qualify. It's pretty weird, but really, it seems like it serves to solidify power for the party currently in power statewide. So um, it used to be the Democrats, now it's the Republicans, and um, back in the day, uh, when, when Georgia shifted into Republicanism, uh, into Republican rule, I should say, um, it started at the PSC level. Uh, that was the first seats that the Republicans won. Um, so 
PSC District 1 is basically the, the lower third of Georgia. On the um, west and east, it goes as far north as Muskogee County and like Columbus. And then um, over on the uh, west side, or on the east side, it's Effingham and Chatham County, so the Savannah area, essentially. Um, District 4 starts in the east around Augusta in like Richmond and Columbia County, and then wraps around the north side of the state all the way across and covers all the northernmost counties in Georgia. Um, these are typically races where libertarians do well. Uh, so PSC one is a race where there's rarely even a Democrat that races. So, I mean, that, that enters the race, um, that might change as Georgia shifts purple, but, um, it has traditionally been a great way for the libertarian party to get enough votes to maintain ballot access and even more. Um, I think last time we had like 33% of the vote. So, um, we do typically pretty well in there. And it proves we have a lot of support in the state. So um, on down the line, each and every state house and state senate is up for seat is up for election every two years. So every single um, even year, all of them are up for election. Um, we don't currently have ballot access for those seats, meaning there are petitioning requirements. So the first and foremost, getting on the ballot has to be every single candidate's goal. Um, and getting those signatures because if you don't get those signatures, you don't get on the ballot. You don't. It doesn't matter how well you campaign. It doesn't matter how many yard signs you have because you're not going to win the race if you're not in it. Um, we need to run more candidates in these races, specifically at the state house, because the requirements lower. Right. Um, so the requirements vary district by district, but generally the state senate seats require about nine thousand signatures, and the state house seats require about two thousand signatures. So um, we've got to start building up candidates in these smaller local races and building our bench for some of the higher up races instead of relying on people to kind of come in, run at the top of the ticket who may not have a lot of experience running for office and then maybe they leave or, um, yeah. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of other offices up for election around the state in different counties and municipalities, even more local. Uh, we're not really going to get into that in this podcast. But um, if there, it, we, we'd love to see more libertarians in all those races. Um, so please reach out if you'd like to know more about what's available where you live. Um, we'll help hunt you down, hunt down that information for you, and we'll help figure out what you got to do to get on the ballot. Um, so again, you can reach out directly to me at ryan.gram at lpgeorgia.com, or you can go to lpgeorgia.com slash candidate questionnaire and let us know about you, and uh, we'll reach out. Um, so on the same kind of token, I, I mentioned earlier, so we qualify, we nominate our candidates at convention instead of doing uh, primaries like the major parties. So um, in order to qualify as a candidate, you first got to go to our state convention and delegates will nominate you. Um, so our 2020 convention will be on January 18th and 19th. We've already set the dates, but not the location. Um, and we've already started selling our early bird tickets to our 2020 convention. So um, if you go to lpgeorgia.com slash 2020 convention, um, you can go and you can buy early bird tickets. Um, early bird tickets are $100 each through September, uh, and then prices will go up. They'll never be cheaper than they are right now. Um, we haven't really planned what the next ranking is necessarily, but they're $100 right now, and that is as cheap as they'll go. Um, we're doing two days, two whole days of, of uh, business meetings and guest speakers um, just to make sure that we have plenty of time for all that. 
um, we're going to have, I hope we're nominating a lot of candidates. So um, we want to make sure that we have plenty of time and that um, you guys are getting a good value for the price. Um, we're also doing this year, we're doing um, student tickets for $50. So you can, you can buy them. You just have to prove that you're a student at the door. Um, and then if anyone else wants to sponsor any students, if you're just looking to help younger people get into the convention and get politically active in the Libertarian Party, you can sponsor a student, and we'll make sure someone that um, needs that ticket can get into the convention. Um, all right, guys, so this has been the Georgia Liberty Cast, uh, and I've been your host, Ryan Graham. If you've enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and Google Play and write a review. Reviews help us go up in the rankings and help more get more... Um, I was about to say eyeballs. Nobody can see me. Um, they help us uh, reach more people. So if you want, to, and if you want to support the work that we're doing at the Libertarian Party of Georgia, um, please, please, please become a member or donate. Um, in order to do that, you can go to lpgeorgia.com/membership or slash donate uh, and make your contribution. Thank you. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin MacLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.